friends, welcome back to the Living Out Loud with Allie and Amanda podcast. My name is Amanda. The Living Out Loud show is where we invite a different guest each week. We give our guests the opportunity to share her story. Our hope is that their story will encourage you in some way. My name is Allie, and I want to say thank you to our awesome listeners for letting us into your life every two weeks. So grab your coffee or favorite beverage and let's get started. All right, our special guest today is one of our good friends, Donna Howard, and she grew up in Oxford and has lived most of her life in Oxford. So she's a local here, and she has an incredible story. One thing about Donna, and I don't know her very well, over the past probably six months, I've gotten to know her a little more, and her story is one of the most selfless stories, and um, she's just incredible, and I can't wait. I think that you're really going to be blessed from her story and uh, be able to learn a lot as well. So I'm going to let her kind of have the floor and um, tell us a little more about you. Thank you, Allie. Um, I don't consider myself selfless, but thank you for that. Um, God has been in, in everything that I've done since before my daughter became ill, but in uh, 1990, my daughter was 14 years old, and one day, right before her birthday, she came up to me and said, uh, I'm hearing the new kids on the block sing happy birthday to me in the air conditioner. And at that point, our whole life changed completely. Um, of course, I immediately called our pediatrician, and who is also a neighbor, and they talked for about an hour and a half, and he came out and just said, She's really sick, and so um, it took us about a year to get a diagnosis. She was in and out of the hospital. We tried different medications, and finally, um, we went to New York City, saw a doctor up there. He put her on some medication. She became toxic from the medication, so we had to take her off. So at that point, she was in lockup for two weeks, which was horrible, horrible, Um but she finally, they finally let me see her, and she got, was calmer and got better and got out of lockup. But um, it, it's, I just can't even, I said, God takes things away from you that he doesn't, that are so painful for you to remember. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember the first year. Um, I have two sons, one older than Cassie and one younger. So I was a single mom working uh, worked at the hospital, so I had a take call. So I pretty well had my hands full and was up against something that I had no idea what 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 was going on or how to handle it. Um, in the 90s, there was still a lot of stigma about mental illness. And I found out real quickly that even though you were a psychiatrist, that it didn't mean that you knew a lot about schizophrenia in adolescence. So we ended up in uh, UCLA at the Neuropsychiatric Institute. Um, we were seeing the, Cassie was, let me back up a minute. We, Cassie was in the uh, hospital in Memphis and we were talking about residential treatment, permanent residential treatment for her. Did you say how old she was? She was 14 at 14, the time. and your sons were? My sons were uh, 10 and 16. Okay. So we, um, one night, I just asked for a psychiatrist. He would call me at night after work and tell me how she was doing, and we would discuss her. And I said, if this was your daughter, what would you do? Because nobody, he didn't, and nobody else wanted to give her the diagnosis of schizophrenia at such an early age. So he said, I have a friend in UCLA that has a foundation for research for schizophrenia. He said, if this was my child, I'd take her out there. And I said, 
okay, that's what we'll do then. I said, I have no idea how I'm going to do this financially, but we'll, we'll figure do it, it out. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. So um, he called me back and the, the doctor said we could come out there for a $2,000 donation to his foundation. He would see us. Uh, my insurance paid for her to be in the hospital out there for three weeks. And uh, her uncle on her father's side had a plane and he flew us out there and back. Uh, it was a horrible trip. It was a small plane all the way to California with a mentally ill child. It was not fun by any means, mm. but we did make it through. And, and after three weeks, um, I the, sat down with the psychiatrist and uh, several other people, and he gave us the diagnosis of chronic paranoid schizophrenia. And he did not was not encouraging with the prognosis at that time. So we came back home and I decided that I would just quit my job and keep her at home and do whatever it took. Uh, I'm an x-ray technician. So um, her father had been killed in a car wreck, so we did have income from his Social Security and, and little money that he had left. So we moved next door to my mother so I could have help with her and um, we just, we survived. And, and God was there all the way helping us. Um, I just put it in his hands and we just made it through. For 13 years, it was it was not a good life, but it was a, we managed and the boys managed. It was very hard for them though, because they didn't want their friends over. And even though she didn't act out a lot, there were times when she acted out. And uh, so anyway, we, we made it through. And in 2002, a new psychiatrist came to town and I'd heard about him and I asked a lot of questions and I made an appointment, went and talked to him. And uh, I asked him, you know, I said, how long are you gonna be here? Are you just passing through? You know, what are your credentials? I gave him the third degree. He said, boy, you're really thorough. And I said, well, I've done my homework. I've been doing this for quite a few years now. And uh, we don't have a, a good psychiatrist here in Oxford. And you know, I wanna, before I change her to somebody else, I want to make sure you're going to be sure. here, you know. So he was very, uh, I just liked him right off the bat, and he was very kind and very caring. And so we started seeing him, and he changed her medication to something that they had never tried on her before, uh, Clozaril. And um, it's a very dangerous drug. If it's not controlled right, it can affect your white blood count, and she has to have her white blood count done every month before she can get her medication. It uh, can cause diabetes and heart disease, and she does have to take medication for those things now. But I made the choice for quantity of life and quality of life because she, they said this might cut down her years, her, I'm not saying that right. Anyway, her lifespan. Her, her lifespan, but I felt like it was worth it if her quality of life would be better. Sure. And it has been. It took. He took a year with us changing her medication very slowly because... She had learned from having to be taken off her medication and getting so sick of being in lockup that she had to take her medication. So what's lockup? It's what do you where mean? you are in confined to one room with nothing in there but the bed and not the sheets, just the mattress and the bed. And uh, you're in there. She was in there for 24 hours a day. She they would let her out to go to the bathroom for because how long? they considered her dangerous, and she was in there for two weeks. Oh wow! Yes. So did you see her? They would not let me see her for two weeks. And um, at the end of that two weeks, I had told the doctor, I said, I'm going to see her. 
And so he said, okay, you can see him this weekend. So I went to the hospital that weekend, and the doctor was gone out of town on vacation, and the doctor standing in told me, no, I couldn't see her. And so I said, I'm sitting right here in the middle of the floor, and I sat down in the middle of the hallway, and I said, I'm sitting here until I get to see her. And so it went just a little bit till they let me in to see her. Got her, I got her calmed down, and she was able to get out and walk at night. Oh, wow. Yeah, she so just needed... She just needed to know that, you know, I was still there, that she was okay. Yeah. Right. You know, that she hadn't been abandoned. And sure. Because she's not a violent person. I mean, the worst she's going to do usually is cry, although mm-hmm. she said she did act up and hit the window a couple of times, which is totally not like her. But sure. I'm, I think she was scared more right. than anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was a horrible thing, but, but it's... It, it was a blessing in disguise because now she's very adamant about her medication. Most people on schizo- that have schizophrenia will get to feeling better and they'll quit taking their medication. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they relapse and then they have to start all over again. Yeah. So when, we, when Dr. Kelly wanted to change her medication, she was highly opposed. And we just slow, he slowly, I mean, like some of it one milligram at a time. And he would let me call him. He said, you call me 24-7. If you have any problems, because we don't want to put her in the hospital, because he didn't have hospital privileges, and they would have changed her medication. Mm -hmm. And he said, we've got to get her through this. He said, we can do this. And so we did. There was one point when she was, um, she had several episodes when she was really out there uh, saying real crazy things and hearing voices and all that. But uh, he helped me, and we got through that. And she's been on this medication since 2003, 13 years now, and uh, she does very well. She lives alone, owns her own home, drives, has her own little life. Uh, She attends church at an anchor. I deliberately don't attend church with her because I want her totally independent from me as much as possible because, you know, when I'm gone, I want her to be able to function. Uh, There was a time when I didn't think she would be able to function if something happened to me, but I think now that she... I think she would be be okay uh, with the help of her brothers and her. Uh, she has a, a a cousin here in town that's older than her that's really good to work with her, and so now I feel like that with God's help they'll be able to mm-hmm. manage without me. But um, I in I've lost track of time. Now, 2008, I was director of radiology at a hospital here in town. And I had gone to Nashville to visit my brother and my sister-in-law and I were shopping and we were at a thrift store. I got to talking to the guy about the thrift store and he had opened it to give his daughter a job because she had autism and he couldn't find a job for her. And uh, when we walked out of the store, my sister-in-law looked at me and she said, you're going to do that, aren't you? (laughs) I said, yeah, I think so. And so, because Cassie had a job, but she hated it. Uh, she worked at a grocery store here in town, and I appreciate the fact that they hire people with handicaps, disabilities, whatever, but uh, the people that she worked with didn't understand her. Mm-hmm. She became ill at such an early age that she still kind of acts like a teenager, even though she'll be 40 next month. Mm-hmm. So they weren't understanding about that. So every day she would beg me to let her get another job or quit her job. And so when I did this, I'm like, okay, God, if this is what I'm supposed to do, you know, show me the way. So I worked on it about two years, and I just said, okay, there's just no way that I can can do this. And then about, I, I, I guess it was two years after the first time I went in the store. I was in Nashville again. We went in the store again, and I talked to the man a little bit more in depth, and 
And then I went back home and I just started working on my nonprofit 501c3 and um, looking around and I thought, okay, God, if this is it, you'll open the doors. And people just started coming into my life that could help me. And um, I went into this building when I had driven by it a dozen times and saw the sign and had been in the building lots of times. And I, so, but I finally called the guys and said, okay, let me look at it. So we went and looked at it and the price was right by us. It's just too small, and frankly, I'll outgrow it. And he said, if you outgrow it, we'll build on. And I'm like, okay, God, I'll take that as a sign. Yeah. So uh, I rented it. It's just, it's been amazing. Everything we get is donated. We don't buy anything to sell. Everything is donated. And uh, we right now, we are overflowing. We need to build on so desperately. Um, but I'm... God just doesn't seem, he's not ready for us to do that. And I'm really thinking about now about moving. I've found another building and I'm considering that. And I'm just waiting for God to, God really has to show me things. I'm kind of, yeah. I just have to wait for him to show me for sure that this is what I'm supposed to do. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, there have been times when on Thursday night I didn't have payroll on Friday morning. And I would write the checks and say, okay, God. You know, I don't know where it's going to come from, but I know you know, and uh, I've always had payroll. I might not cash my check every Friday, but I was always, I've always been able to cash everybody else's. We've been in business three and a half years now and have 10 employees, yeah. and eight of those are mentally ill. It just shows how faithful God is and the provider that he is, and just to put that on your heart and your mind, for you to even run into that person to, to give you something to give your daughter mm -hmm. a way for her to work. And so how, I mean, how does she do there? She is she, is she thriving and, and Absolutely. working with all of She just loves it. Um, and she'll tell people, even though I have to work with my mama every day, <laughs> it's better than what I was doing because she was bagging groceries. And like I said, she was not happy, but she loves it. And I've been amazed. Um, sometimes she can run the register, and I have another guy that has an illness also that runs the register. So sometimes I'll leave them for them by themselves for a little while, and uh, she'll call me and say, "Okay, we don't have anything to do. Tell, give us something to do." And I'm like, "Who is this child?" Yeah. Because before I couldn't get her to do anything, you know. But she's really ambitious, and she's really she takes a lot of pride in her work. Um, I have several employees. Uh, one one young man in particular. He was very quiet, very shy when he came in, and uh, one of the churches brought him to me. They said, you know, he needs a job, and we just don't have it. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a place for him? And so I said, sure, I'll hire him. So I took him in and just gave him a few hours a week, and now he works. He's been working for me for two and a half years now, and he loves it, and he thrives, and he he tells everybody, comes, I don't know what Miss Donna would do without me. Aww. She just couldn't run the store without me, yeah. which is cute I mean he I said if I could just bottle his confidence that mm -hmm. would be great but uh, it's made a lot of difference I have my parents that come in and tell me all the time what a difference it's made in their child yeah. and I would just love to be able to open more stores and give more people with mental illness mm -hmm. an opportunity because people with mental illness it's such an underserved population mm -hmm. uh, there's still I don't care what people say there's still a stigma about it a lot of people still don't want to talk about it mm -hmm. um, you know I've had friends of mine say 
really? Your dog has mental illness? And, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it's no different than heart disease or diabetes or anything right. else. It's just the brain. Yeah. And um, it's just, uh, I, I just wish we could help more people. Uh, yeah. That's, that would, you know, if we could open stores all over the United States, that would be great. What a great ministry that you have that God has brought you to that you never dreamed would even be one of his purposes for right. you here. I mean, obviously you love your child and you would do anything for her and that's part of it, but leading you to help others, not just her, um, and your vision for that mm -hmm. and just seeing how God's going to, yeah. I mean, who knows what can happen from here on out, you that's know, right. the stores that could be opened. You, you don't know. And it's, it's been fun to look back and see how he prepared me for this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't have a retail background. I knew yeah. nothing about that kind of thing. Um, when I was working as director of radiology, matter of fact, I had just been promoted and promoted out of scrubs into office wear. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have any clothes. Kawater uh, Creek opened and I went to work for them part time. And so that helped me with this. Mm -hmm. you know? Right. And at the time, I had no idea that that was you know, part of God's plan. He's always positioning, he, positioning us and preparing us for what he has. Absolutely. And absolutely. I want to go back and ask you this question. Mm -hmm. Did you have, I know this was at 14 when she mm -hmm. was, you started seeing signs of this. Did you ever see any signs before that? After she became ill mm -hmm. and uh, we got the diagnosis, of course, then I began to look back and see things that were different. She was a very difficult baby. She I say never slept, and she literally never slept until she was about five years old. Okay. She would, we would stay up all night long, and she would play. Mm -hmm. And now I wonder if she wasn't hearing voices even then, and it was normal to her. Mm -hmm. And because she would stay up and play lots of nights all night long, yeah. Until she's when she started kindergarten, then she uh, started sleeping all the time. And you know, it took a lot. I think it took a lot out of her being out in public all yeah. the time, and, and she started sleeping more. But um, she had problems in school mm -hmm. all along, um, had problems learning. And, um, she was just a different child. Mm -hmm. you know, there, were, there were things about her that were different. Um, and uh, I think it's something, there's still a lot not known about schizophrenia. Uh, they're not sure about where, what causes it. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think people are born with the predisposition to have it and then things happen in your life that cause it. Um, Cassie lost her father. He was killed when she was 10. And then my daddy died two months before she started showing symptoms. Mm -hmm. And before she told me about hearing the new kids on the block, I, after that, I looked back and I remembered over the summer her telling me, uh, did you have company last night? I heard people talking. And I would just blow it off as, mm -hmm. you know, it's probably your brother's TV or we lived in the neighborhood. Maybe it was people outside, that kind of thing. And, and I realized that she was telling me things mm -hmm. for a couple of months that I didn't really pick up on until. Because mm -hmm. I've heard that major crisis or things can mm -hmm. trigger mm -hmm. that. So I've heard that before. Where did you get the name Holding Hands? My grandson was 11 at the time, and he and I were in the car on a trip, and I was telling him what I was going to do about the store. And I said, yeah, I'm trying to figure out a name, and I just can't come up with anything. And he said, holding hands, Mama, because, you know, we'll have to hold their hand and help them do things. 
Aww. And I thought, oh, that's so sweet. That's that is sweet. Yeah. Yes. So that's how we came up with the name. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, going back to, I know I'm asking all these okay, symptoms. Yeah. Did she ever have like any OCD tendencies or anything oh, like that? Yes. Okay. What, tell us about that. Because I think a lot of people have questions mm-hmm. about just different. She went through a time when, matter of fact, when we took her to the California, not California, when we took her to New York, that was one of the diagnoses that he gave her was OCD and uh, attention deficit, deficit disorder and dyslexia. Those were his diagnoses. But she, uh, when her father got killed, mm-hmm. She would not touch anything that belonged to him. She would not take out the garbage. She was washing her hands all the time. Mm-hmm. She went through all of that for several months before we changed her medication and got her straight. But, um, mm-hmm. yes, there were several several months there when she went through a lot of OCD behaviors. And uh, Okay. Yeah. Because I've heard that, and I just didn't know. Like it's This is great education because we need to be mm-hmm. educated on, and people don't you know, just know what to look for. Some people may be seeing signs and aren't mm-hmm. sure if they're signs of that. So people accuse me all the time of seeing it too much, especially my friends, because I'll say, Oh, did you see that? I don't, you know, that's this behavior. That's that behavior, you know, yeah. and, uh, just because you're aware, just because I mean, I'm you've aware. Experienced. I mean, because I read and read and read when Cassie got sick, mm-hmm. because like I said, there was just, I couldn't find the answers, and doctors weren't giving me the answers. I went to one doctor, and uh, one day we, we went to this one doctor before Dr. Kelly came to town, and we had already been to UCLA, and I learned, being in the medical profession, I already knew quite a bit, but every time she would go in the hospital when we'd check out, I would make them give me a copy of her chart because I knew this was going to be a lifelong mm-hmm. thing. And so I had all these copies of you know, charts. When we went to this doctor, it was about a year after she was. And the charts were like six inches thick, you know, and I put them on his desk and I said, you know, what what do you think? And he thumbs through it and he said, oh, she doesn't have schizophrenia. <gasps> and I said, well, I don't, this was after we'd been to California and gotten the diagnosis and I needed a prescription. And he, he said, she doesn't have schizophrenia. And I said, Look, I don't care what diagnosis you want to give her, but this is the medication that seems to be working, and that's what I want you to give her. He said, "Okay," and wrote me a prescription. Yeah. So, so the medicine that she's on, obviously, does this help her not hear voices? Like it does. Um, she still hears voices, but not as prominently. Mm-hmm. And. Not only do they hear voices, there's a lot more to it, and I still have a hard time putting my finger on it. When I see it, I know it, but uh, it's kind of hard to describe. Like, her perception of things are not always on target. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she may walk in and say, Hi, Mom, and I'm like, hi, you know, because I'm busy or something. She's like, what's wrong with you? You know, she it's like she doesn't always perceive things the way they really are. Right. Why are you mm-hmm. in a bad mood? Or what did I do to you? You know, and I'm like, I uh, but um, also, things are kind of black and white with them. So there's just a lot more to it than people realize. And I really get, there are two misconceptions about schizophrenia. One is that it's split personality, and it's not. Multiple personality, it is not. And another is if they take their medication, they're fine. They are not fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll call me and tell me her house is on fire. 
And I'm like, oh, your smoke alarm's going off. No. Okay, the new house is not on fire. Uh, over the past couple of years, she's begun to have olfactory hallucinations where she smells things. I mean, mm -hmm. she'll go, oh, that stinks so bad. I'm like, there's nothing there, Cassie. It's, you know. And I've noticed that several times. Um, different, you know, just different things like that. The, uh, she won't use the stove because she's afraid of burning herself or burning her house down. She uses a, her microwave or the oven. She'll use the oven, but she won't use the burners on the stove. And she'll use her little toaster oven. Mm -hmm. But uh, And when she gets something in her mind like that, you can forget it. Yeah. It's done. So is she very cautious? Yes. Has she always been like that? No, not always, but more so, you know, lately. Mm -hmm. And if I have to be careful and be very sure of myself, because if she hears me questioning, mm -hmm. then she's going to question it. Mm -hmm. You know, she has a, a above the ground pool in her backyard, and it's been a nightmare this year. And yesterday we had to put some chemicals in it, and I was like, should we or should we not? Because it's you know it may rain. I didn't know, and and she was like. Well, then you better not put them in there because if you do, it might blow up or something, you know. And I'm like, no, it's not going to blow up. But so I have to be real careful about being you know, not verbalizing, not when you're verbalizing when I'm questioning things because she will pick up on it. Yeah, sure. And she still has the paranoia. I mean, she'll tell you right off the bat she doesn't trust me. I mean, she doesn't trust anybody, but she doesn't even trust me as much as I have, you know, taken care of her, been there for her. Uh, it takes a lot of reassurance for, for her. She calls me calls me when she first gets up in the morning. I have to tell her what the weather is, even though she knows what it is before I tell her because she's already checked it. Um, <laughs> she, when she leaves work today, she will call me after she gets home and tell me that she's made it home and want to know what I'm doing. And then she will call me usually before she goes to bed. Mm -hmm. And three times a day is good. There can be as many as 10 or 20 times. Yeah. And before she got on this medication, it was 20 and 30 times a day. Yeah. And she would, we lived, she lived in a mobile home for a while and we lived about a quarter mile from where our driveways were about a quarter mile apart. She would get in her car, drive to my house, get out of her car. We had this long ranch style house. She would walk all the way through the house, turn around, come back, get back in her car, come back. And she might do that 10 times in a row and never say a word. And I'd say, Cassie, you need something? No. She just go back. Well, the same way that she repeats herself, like over and over, does she repeat herself, like talking to you, or no. like, well, she'll say the same things over and over? Mm -mm. No, no, but she will laugh at herself. <laughs> she'll say something that's funny, and then she'll, I hear, I'll hear her repeating it under her voice and laughing again. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I was like, "What you saying?" She's like, "Nothing." I'm saying, <laughs> she does that a lot. Okay. Um, so, do you see her every day? Every day, every day, just about every day. Not 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 every day, but just about every day. I I try I try not to. I mean, I know that may sound horrible, but I try not to see her. I I want her away from me as much as possible because I want her to have that independence. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really hard sometimes. And I don't always tell her the truth. And I know that sounds bad, but a lot some of it's guilt on my part. If me and my friends are going somewhere or doing something. Sometimes I don't tell her that I'm going because she'll want to go. She loves to mm -hmm. go. She'll go anywhere, do anything, just mm -hmm. to get to go. And sometimes I just need your time, my time without her. And so you know, I don't always tell her the truth about where. 
you know, when I was going to Haiti, I waited till the last to tell her that I was going, and then I didn't get to go. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of glad I didn't get to go. But uh, yeah. I'm going to Alaska for 10 days in July Okay. without her, and uh, she's pretty aggravated at me about that. Are you going with some friends? Sharon Rice and I'm okay. going, and uh, her sister's going, and Ron, uh, do you know Larry and Wanda Hurst? Yes. Okay, they're going. They go every year, and they've oh. gone for about 10 years. So they invited us. We're going to fly up, rent two motor homes. Us girls will be in one, they'll be in the other, and they're going to take us around and show us the signs. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. In July? In July. I'm oh, so that's excited. That's going to be amazing. So yes, excited. and you need that. Yes, I need it I'm so, so desperately. Cassie's not happy about it. She's, I mean, she's okay. She doesn't whine, but yeah. she'll, every once in a while. The other day she called me and my grandson was in the car with me. We had on speakerphone. She said, I don't guess I'll get to go anywhere this summer. Oh. I said, no, you may not. Yeah. And he's like, way to go, Cassie. You try to make Mama feel guilty. (laughs) So does that scare you, being gone? Do you have any fear It does. I mean, the worst that can happen is that she can die. Mm -hmm. And if she does, she'll be at peace. Mm -hmm. And I've come to terms with that. Yeah. I, I would hate to not be here if something happened and she needed me, right. but there, my niece is here close and she knows how to console mm-hmm. her. She's heard me go through it so many times. Sure, uh, That would be my only fear that something would happen to her physically and I couldn't be here to, you know, if, if I couldn't talk sure. her down. Sure. But she, she does so well and she's done so, done so well for so long. I, I feel like she'd be okay. And I learned as a single mother many, many years ago when I leave the city limits, I'm like, God, they're yours. Mm-hmm. I gotta have this time. I gotta go. I know that whatever happens will be okay. Mm-hmm. And I just go. Mm-hmm. And there's really just only so much you can do. I mean, you are on top of all of this. You're trying to, you know, prepare her to be independent, all of these things. But ultimately, we have to give, he is in control, mm-hmm. and we have to let go and just know that he is in control. I mean, that's all of us. As, yeah all of us as parents letting go and but more for you because you you know have been with her every step of the way and you do have to be there so much but I think letting go and just giving that to God it's not always an easy thing but it's you have to it's not always easy but you do have to and you know Cassie has attempted suicide twice and it was just me and her. Mm-hmm. Both times she told me that she had done it, and both times I drove her to the hospital and I sat by her side. And uh, the second time she did it, I told God, I said, if you want her, take her. Please, I mean, take her. She is. She was so miserable, and she was so unhappy. Mm-hmm. It was so hard for her. And I decided then, you know, that if he decides to take her, then okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will miss her, and yes, it'll be a big adjustment for me. Yeah. But oh my gosh, it would be such a relief too that she would be okay. Yeah. That she would not be suffering anymore. That She'd she have a mind not, like Christ. Yeah. You know, it would just. I, I could. I could be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think now, you know, thirteen years ago when she was really sick, it would have been easier to give her up. Now it would be harder because mm-hmm. she's better and and. We have a better relationship, but uh, I have been through enough in my life that I know that whatever happens, that God will see me through. Yeah. And, that's and, just it. and you can see that all over you. I mean, 
you hear you hear people talking about that have gone through different tragedies and one after the other and just trials and tribulations and hardships, all of that. That um, you know, I've heard a lot of people that have gone through that say, "Like I'm, I'm so much closer to Jesus than I could have ever imagined." And you can see that in you. And as you speak, you can see Jesus in you, and that you have that like just closeness that other people long for that maybe haven't been through things like you have. You've been forced make me cry. <laughs> to face that and to choose to give it to Christ. And it's a, you know, I don't know how you have any choice. You know, yeah. I, all along I've had people say to me, I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, I don't know how you not. Right. What, you right. Know, what were my choices? You know. Yeah. Um, well, you did choose Christ. Right. Your choice was to, I mean, he gives us free will and your choice is to say, okay, forget it. I'm going to just continue letting, I mean, you can't control your circumstances, but you can tr- control how you handle them and what you do. Yeah. And you chose to depend completely on him and to allow him to take control and for him to place the steps in your life. Well, because when I think about it, just like what Allie said, when I say cho- when choice, for me, I think about my personality, and it's so hard as a mom, like, not to be that helicopter mom, yeah. you know, and I feel like my sisters and I, we always laugh because we feel like we're healthy helicopter moms, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. she was taking classes, she just graduated um, a year ago, December, and she was taking these psychologist classes, I don't even remember what she called me, and she was like, Amanda, I'm learning so much, we are such helicopter moms, <laughs> but she was like, but I think we're healthy sel- helicopter moms, <laughs> and I think it's, we're not like... We want to take care of our kids. Right. You know, there. I think because when we were little, we saw a lot of parents that just, they loved their kids, but it was just like they were very selfish mm-hmm. and their kids were not a big priority. We saw some great parents too, but we also had friends that weren't. And so I think we just love our kids so much and, you know, we want to make sure that we're protective and we're doing our part as parents and not being selfish. So I feel like that's our healthy helicopter mom <laughs> status. But I think when, I, when we say choice is that I feel like if I were in your situation, and I don't know because I've not walked in your shoes, so I see what you're saying, like you have no choice. But at the same time, my personality is I like want to control like what they do. You know, mm-hmm. like I think it would be hard for me not I mean, to leave, you know, mm-hmm. and I – and I think at some point, it's a choice to go, okay, God, I'm giving you control. Whatever yeah. happens, and we all have to come to that point. So I, I see where you're saying you didn't have a choice, mm-hmm. but you also do. You know, like yeah. going to Alaska, there's a lot of parents that might be like, I'm not leaving because yeah. I don't know what will, ha- what will happen. But you're giving that to the Lord, and you're like, whatever happens, I give that to you because I can't be in control. I'm not going to be in control. God is in control. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what I meant by yeah. a choice. I agree. But, yeah, I agree, and you just there's just this sense of peace about you, and I think mm-hmm. that that has probably come over years and years and years of learning and walking with the Lord through this. And I know it hasn't been easy. It's I'm sure. I mean, I can't even imagine. Um, but that peace that I think people long for, you have, and I, I know that you talked a little bit about going to Alaska. But what do you do? just in a practical way each week or each day to kind of just refuel you or re-energize you because you're constantly giving and giving and serving. So what do you do to re-energize you and say, okay, you know, I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to wake up and have the energy to continue. Um, that's really uh, 
hard for me to do and I'm not very good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. And I, I always say this because I want people to realize I don't think poor pitiful me, look what I've been through. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had it worse than anybody else. I don't feel that way. But I don't know. I don't take care of myself like I should and, mm-hmm. and refuel uh, my church. I love my church. I, I enjoy my church. I, I want to go to church my Bible group. I lead a community group. Uh, and that helps me a lot. But um, on a weekly basis, I, there's really not a lot that I do to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Another part of my story that we may not have time to go into and in, in, I know you all don't know about, but um, I have a son who will be 42 in, in a couple of weeks and he's a drug addict. And uh, he was here with me. He came, he has two sons and he came, uh, he had been away from me for three years and he came back last September and lived with me and worked with me and I thought he was going to be okay and uh, we were building another business and he was helping me a lot and then I realized that he was still doing drugs and uh, I had him arrested and I had him committed and he walked out and now he's gone again and I don't know where he is and I don't hear from him. And that's been really hard for me to give to God. And that's been really difficult to uh, understand and accept. You know, with Cassie's illness, I mean, I've always tried to look for the good and whatever bad happened. And with Cassie's illness, I'm able to say, look, we've been to hell and back, but look at the people we're helping now. And so that's why we've been where we've been. And I... Right now, I'm in the midst of a real mess, and uh, not only me, my heart is broken, but his sons were really close, and and their heart is broken, and um, I'm having a really difficult time, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not as strong as people say I am, and I'm not, I don't have all the faith that I think I should have. I know that God has this, and, um, but I just don't, you know. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but, you know, will I ever hear from him again? Or will I get that phone call that every mother dreads? I don't know that, and I'm having to learn to live with that, and uh, it's tough. Well, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing. Yeah. Well, I've always said that's why God gave Cassie to me, because I'm just, I'm an open book, and I'm not, I'm I'm not ashamed, you know, life is what it is, and um, everybody has something. Most right. people don't share it, but everybody has something. And we should share it. I and mean, that's what community it. is for. And I think I think our society, which, I mean, yes, our world is crazy, and there are people out there that you can't trust. But at the same time, I mean, God wants us to open up and find a community and a safe place that we mm-hmm. can do life with each other and that we can carry each other's burdens. I mean, He carries them, but He also tells us to help lift those burdens and to you know he comforts us so that we can comfort others and um you know that's a that's a command that he wants us Mm -hmm. to do and so we should be able to be an open book we shouldn't feel um guilty or ashamed to share um things that are going on with us because of of pride or because of um shamefulness Um, and i i think that just goes back to kind of how this society 
um, portrays things. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and we can wait till this is over, but I would love to pray for him right now. What is his name? Lawson. Lawson, do you think we should Let's pray now? Okay. Mm-hmm. Lord, we just want to lift up Lawson right now. God, we give him to you. We don't know where he's at, but we know that you do. We pray for his protection. We want to um, pray, God, that you would just bring him back home safely. God, we pray you would get a hold of his life in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would just bind the enemy from him. God, you love him. I thank you um, for Donna's strength in you to even have him arrested. God, that's so hard for a mom to have to do. But it's called tough love, and it's it's love that that she's trusting you with, God. And God, we just we lift her up to you, Lord. We pray that you would just give her strength. Um, we pray you would give her peace and comfort right now. We know that she trusts you, but it's hard. It's hard for the for all of us, um, no matter how close we are to you. God, when we go through hard times, it is it, it is hard. But God, we pray right now that you would help Donna to remember and to continue to trust, God, that you are fighting for her and that you are fighting for her son. Lord, um, you tell us to be still, and, and that is so hard. But we are praying right now in the name of Jesus that you would just um, bring him back to you, get a hold of his life, and help us to trust you with no matter what the outcome is. We love you, and we give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's invite our listeners to um, to pray for Lawson as well. Yes. Um, Thank you. For Donna. Thank you, Donna, for sharing your heart with us. It's been an encouragement just to, just to see how no matter, you've been through a lot, and um, your faith is strong, even though you may have times mm-hmm. like this where it's, it's hard. Um, it's such an example to me just to see. We you. have so much to learn from you. Yes. We do. I, I think I could uh, maybe have a little Donna time every day <laughs> yeah, to um, me encourage too. me and to. We should have that. Yeah, we no should. Me. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, before we wrap up, um, let's talk about something a little light okay. and uh, get to know you in a little different way, uh, maybe more of a creative way. So, my question for you, and you might have had this question before, is if you had a superpower, what would your superpower be and why? And you can think about it. You can think about it. What a great question, Allie. Thank you. <laughs> I guess you think? if I had one power, it would be to um, make everyone love everyone mm-hmm. and be kind to everyone. Mm-hmm. That's, because that's all there is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really all there is, is how we treat each other and how we feel about each other. Mm-hmm. I think if I had the power to do anything, that would be, and and to be loved, um, that unconditional love. I love your answer because your your answer was not like power to take away all my pain that I've ever gone through or yeah. that you're, that, you know, it was for people to love each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next one. This uh, this question I got from our friend Jamie Ivy, who okay. has a podcast called Ooh, Shout Out to Jamie. Yes, the Happy Hour. She said, or this is the question. So tell us about a dream that you had for yourself that never came true. Okay, you're gonna make me cry. <clears throat> you already have an answer. 
I'd have to mm-hmm. think about that. That's yeah, all. I have an answer. I've been married a couple of times, but I've never felt like that I've had that one true love that really loved me for mm-hmm. me. And if that, that would be my dream, if I could have that and feel that love from another human being, besides my grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I've ever had that relationship with a man. Yeah. And uh, I think I always married for the wrong reasons. And that, that would be my dream. Wow. Well, another thing to add to the prayer list. It's not too late. It isn't I don't know. too I think late. It is too late. No. Um, Wait, I, how old are you? I'm 64. Okay, I have a friend. Like, she, my one of my best friends from high school, her mom was like, I pretty much lived at her house on the weekend. She lived at my house um, all throughout middle school and high school. And she was not married. She had, you know, married and divorced. And then just that whole time I was there um, through middle school and high school, she was not married. And that's been like, we graduated 20 something years ago. She ended up marrying a retired, I think pastor. I may be getting some of that wrong, but um, the last, like a few years ago. It is the love of her life. Yeah. And I would think she's around her age. So I don't know exactly. So it's never too late. And can I tell you, the whole everybody was so happy for her. Because this is a lady that just worked hard for her children. I mean, her children took care of everybody, served. Everybody loves her. Miss Cookie, shout out to Miss Cookie. Um, (laughs) Cute name. Yeah. (laughs) But no, I mean, everyone is so happy for her. So it, it is not too late. I think my heart is too hardened and I'm I'm too afraid. Yeah. (laughs) But those walls can come down if it's the right time. That's true. If God's ready. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, you know, sometimes I pray about it and talk to God about it. And I just say, you know, God, you'll really have to knock me in the head because I won't be willing. Well, maybe it'll be where you are almost ran over by a car and he runs out and has to revive you. Okay, I've been watching too much TV. Just kidding, I haven't, but sometimes I live in a fairy tale. <laughs> That's okay, we're women, right? That's we right, can, do, we can that. do that. Okay, last question. Um, tell us maybe your favorite song um, that you're listening to right now, or maybe it can be something that has just carried you through your whole life. Is there anything special? When I thought about love, when I was dating, the Righteous Brothers. That's who sings it? Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, I can't remember. Do you want to sing it? You've lost <laughs> that loving feeling? Is that it? You've lost that loving feeling. Oh, I don't know the other one. <laughs> I don't either. That or, um, this this is a crazy story, but my husband and I have been divorced two years when he got killed the father of my children. And we lived here, and he lived in Arkansas, so me and my oldest son went to Arkansas to pick up some of his things. And on the way home, this was in 86, so we were still doing cassettes. I had his cassettes from his pickup in my car, and my son was in the back seat asleep, and I just reached over and pulled one out and put it in. <clears throat> and it was Willie Nelson, and it was, and a lot of people have done this song, but it was, I never told you. You know, you know what I'm, I think so. Um, 
Wait, what is that? Never told you how much I loved you. Um, yes. I usually can sing. I know that song. Um, have I told you lately how I much I love Because he and I had this relationship where he, he was an alcoholic. He drank. I knew he loved me, but he would, you know, there mm-hmm. were, I was like fifth on the list of things he loved, I guess. And uh, I never told you. I wish I could think of it. But then I, when I got home, I never found it again. And who sings that? Willie Nelson is the one that was singing it then. But I, I think Kenny Rogers sang it. And, you know, it was more of a country song. Yeah. I never told you. Oh, I can't think of it. That's tr- going to drive me crazy. I'm yeah. going to find it when we um, leave here. But yeah, I always thought that was really, I always thought, felt like that was his message to me. You know, I'm sorry yeah. that I did all these things because I really cared about you. So for the Righteous Brothers, Unchained Melody. Unchained Melody, that's it. Aha. Yeah, Unchained Melody, that's it. We'll we'll keep you in our prayers. Thank you so much, Donna, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I hope it helps somebody. We're very blessed.